All right, welcome back to another episode of the Look Mum, I'm Hustling podcast. Hustling. That's what we do. Hustling. You and me. Always hustling. Yeah. Sometimes it feels like we're not doing enough hustling. And then you look at some people that are out there on, on the street in traffic when you're driving around, mm-hmm. perusing society. <laughs> yep. And people are hustling. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the perception that you get sometimes. Mm-hmm. The pretend hustlers, the ones that just... Uh, Living their life, doing their thing, and then not even the- pretending, just to get out of the shops. I'm curious how people get through, like, because I'm always on on tilt. Need to be doing something. Need to be hustling. Need to be finding the next project to do, the next way to optimize or make the business or whatever we're doing more efficient. And then some people are just like cruising around, mm-hmm. sitting at a coffee shop, you know, hanging out with their kids at the park. I don't know if I envy that at all. I kind of like what I do, yeah, because I'm I was always something on, but. It, it can become stressful if I let it, but I also, there's part of me that envies the people that get to like sit back on cruise control seven days a week. Well, it's something, and I think we've talked about this before. It's like, it's not something that comes naturally to you. Like if you're sitting down for too long, you're like, I should be doing something else that's way more productive. So on last Sunday, we really tried to just have a sit down chill day and just like watch movies and like TV shows and stuff. Cause I was on holidays and just wanted to have a day of rest before it. And I was very proud of you. You were able to, you know, sit down. Long. No, <laughs> sit down for most of the day. I think you had a mini break. You'd be like, oh, I'm just going to have a two minute thing and just do, do some eBay work and then we'll get back into it. I, I lasted about three and a half hours before I was getting a bit restless. Mm-hmm. Restless leg syndrome. I don't know if that's a real thing or not. I have heard people say it before. Restless leg? Are you yawning already? Yeah, I did. I've oh, got a green tea. Freak. No, it's fine. It's fine. Is there caffeine in green tea? There's mm-hmm. not a tiny bit. Mm-hmm. More than matcha? Oh, it's pretty much matcha is green tea. So it's pretty a similar amount. Yeah, I think there's more in matcha, though. Is that a, is that a fact? I think so. Should we yeah. check it? You can check it if you want. How much caffeine is in matcha? Yeah. It's not really worth it. No. But green tea. Yeah, I'm so a what, green tea train. What we were watching, we'll just rip straight into it because mm. we're pretty dry on segues this week by the sounds of it. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, this one gave all right. Like, is you know, talking about relaxing and hustling Thank and you. trying to like Thank wind you. down. Yeah. Well, this ties in perfectly then. So we watched season one of The Bear. Mm. I'd seen pieces of not pieces of content, but just the artwork and stuff around on the internet, probably for the last what's well, been out for a year, um, of the Bear Show, which is basically a show about a restaurant and a a chef and and the crew underneath him, mm-hmm. and. We finally, a new season two, well, it's out in the US, but it's coming out here in Australia in another two weeks, I think, Ooh. at the time of this recording, which is June 30th. Mm-hmm. I think it comes out mid-July. Um, so I was like, oh, this looks interesting. And I've heard great reviews. And then we did a bit of a, a I guess you call it a Rotten Tomatoes reconnaissance mission. Yes. And had incredible reviews mm-hmm. from both, like, the audience, I don't know how they rate it. There's an audience, yeah, they've got one. like the critics, like critics review one, and then just like the audience opinion. So they're both sitting at like 85 percent mm. or something, which is pretty decent. So we jumped on, watched the entire season one of yes. that, which is actually really doable in, in one single day, which was mm-hmm. good to know. The episodes aren't super long, I think there was eight episodes, and we watched all of the bear. I'll bring it up just for a bit of visual yeah. background reference. And it's pretty fun, like Drew and myself were. Not foodies, but we do love food and we do enjoy cooking as well, even though that we meal prep for, you know, 90% of the week and there's that one day a week that we get to either splurge and maybe do some takeout or we actually cook a meal for ourselves. And, yeah, it's just really interesting seeing the stuff that they come up with. So with the bear chef as well, he's taken over his brother's restaurant, but he's actually, like, French trained. So he's been at a, like, award-winning restaurant. He's, like, an award-winning chef and comes to this, like, dingy little uh, burger, like, it's a classic like shop. New York, New York sandwich shop, right? Yeah. yeah, that's been in the family generations for a little bit. Yeah, it was, a, it was a fun show, and we both love Maddie Matheson. Yes, bit of a character. Oh, if you haven't seen his YouTube cooking videos, please do yourself a favor if you want something that looks super dope to eat, but also hilarious to watch. Like he's, he's a wild man. He's super wild, but and he's also sober, right? Like he's just like a super wild. He used to be. I'm not sure what drugs he did, but mm-hmm. he used to, there was there's stories I haven't heard about him in a while, of you know being in hospital and everything like that, mm-hmm. and going. To, I, I'd imagine he's been to rehab before, just based on his stories. And he's friends with. I'm pretty sure he's friends with like 
bands like Cancer Bats and everything, and people from Canada. Yeah. Um, but he's big into like the punk music. And like the opening scene of episode one was super interesting because it opens up with Refuse, which we both love. Yeah, you love that. You're like, this is going to be good. And it's that frantic, fast pace. And I'm um, kind of in the middle of Anthony Bourdain's Kitchen Confidential book. And that's more sort of 70s and 80s, just wild kitchen, what's well, kitchen nightmares and yeah, and the restaurant industry. And this just fits in perfectly with what I'm consuming in that book mm-hmm. to a more modern take on just how frantic it can be in being a chef. Um, and, yeah, having more modern music that I'm into with that kind of mentality was just that uh, – Straight away, episode one, I was like, oh, yeah, this is going to be mm-hmm. a dope show. Yeah. Well, there's that whole saying of, you know, managing spinning plates, right? So, like, when you're a chef, you have, like, these multiple things going on. And, like, that's like a management term, like spinning plates. Like, you have to manage them and keep them spinning and keep them going and stuff. I have to say juggling. So yeah. It's, it's fewer syllables. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough, juggling. <laughs> um, but with, like, their lunch prep or, like, dinner prep, they have, like, so many things going on. You have to manage all these, like, sous chefs or that kind of thing and – a lot of stuff is going on and you have to try and keep a clear head and make sure you have enough food for the food vendors. And It's probably the you know, on a chill day when you want to – like we, we watched this on a sabbatical day on chill day <laughs> and it was just got you into that hustle mentality, which is kind of why I liked the show as well. It gave you that sense of anxiety of just like I'm not going to have enough time. Yeah. If we wanted to watch something chill cooking, we could just watch like MasterChef or Great – British Bake Off, one of those type of <laughs> chill food shows where we chose to watch something anxiety-inducing mm. instead. But it was, a, it was a really fun show. I can't wait for season two. The, the season one ends on not really a cliffhanger, but an exciting point of, I guess, no return in terms of they're going to be doing a whole new venture potentially mm-hmm. and just opens up the world of possibilities for season two. If you're listening in America, you've probably already seen the entire season. Um, but we down under, we get things slow through that mm-hmm. internet, the underground, underwater internet cable. Yeah, apparently. we do. The slow release schedule. I don't know that why we have. this doesn't come out on time, but it's neither here or there. No. And apparently as well, apparently, every time I say apparently, I think of that meme, dude, um, that there's a lot of like little details. What? Celebrities. Yeah, celebrities are in it, probably, but there's a lot of subtle details that are true to being a chef. Like, so whether it's, you know, they're being, you know, very conscious of their own knife set or having their, their station set up or having things clean or just even things about having, you know, amount of um, towels. But apparently there was one scene where he's, like, drinking, like, water, but it's out of, like, a Throw preparation out. cup. Out of a what? Like he was drinking water, yeah. but it was out like a preparation Most cup. Most of the scenes, yeah. he's just out having a cigarette. He's drinking out of like a beaker or something yeah. you'd make a dressing in. Exactly, yeah. And they said that's just very kind of Well, your brother's a chef, so of- you know a lot more of the ins and outs and I guess what happens, what a chef does outside of the kitchen. Mm-hmm. I would have no idea unless I watched a show like this. And yeah. he said like he goes home after making fine dining all day and then basically what did he have to eat? Like, he would just have the, like, the greasiest, um, easiest. Like, he would just love to get takeout. He would love to get, like, Red Rooster or I KC mean, in the show, or, but, yeah, same thing. Yeah, like, he just went just home and just made, like, a peanut butter, grilled oh, cheese. Right. Yeah, peanut butter and jelly kind peanut of. Peanut butter grilled cheese. Yeah, something yeah. like that. But, yeah, it was just, like, something that was just, like, super basic, just not super healthy. But, yeah, with my brother, because he worked, he's worked in a few different restaurants, but he worked in, like, a fine dining, like, French restaurant for ages. And the last thing he wanted to do when he got home was, like, make fancy food so it'll just be very basic remember you used to just put like a cheese slice and a bread and put it in the microwave and zap it for a little bit just for like some sort of comfort food and you do double shifts all the time um and it was just he always had this like story of the chef that he had native language was french right so he'd be yelling at him and then all of a sudden switch to french and have no idea what he's yelling at him about it'd be like english and french and switch back and he'd just be like i have no idea yeah that's a problem with any profession you do it so much at your day job and a lot of the times you go into that job because you find it interesting or it's your passion or whatever. If you're lucky enough to like to work doing something that you're passionate about mm-hmm. to get to the point of where it's no longer enjoyable outside of work. Mm-hmm. I imagine if you're a mechanic, you don't want to be fixing your car on the weekend or you hear about comedians who they do stand up for a living, but if they're out for dinner with family and friends, 
people expect you to be funny all the time. Yeah, it's tell like, me a funny story or something. So it's 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 interesting. We've had this conversation before about not trying to, I guess, monetize or make a career or a business out of your main passion because at some point it's going to not become so passionate for you because mm-hmm. you're putting so much pressure on it. So it makes more sense in that regard to follow your passions but follow your third or fourth or fifth most interesting passion that you, you that you enjoy doing that way your main thing is never consumed with the stress and anxiety that can be associated with trying to become successful at it yeah i see that point but also challenge it a little bit because then you have people that are stand-up comedians and that's their one true passion they love comedy they love stand-up comedy they love making people laugh same as chefs right like they absolutely love cooking they absolutely love food they live and breathe it and experiment and things like that like i guess it just depends on the type of profession it is also, I guess how many hours you're engrossed in it. Mm. So a mechanic can check in nine to five, more or less. Yeah. These chefs are doing Double 12, yeah. 14, 16 yeah. hour shifts. So the longer you're exposed to it, mm-hmm. and I guess the less you want to do it at home. Yeah. But if it's just a normal 38 hour week, then potentially like that- Like you're an accountant, impa- yeah. Yeah, or you can go home and do spreadsheets. Mm-hmm. I think maybe this, the time of exposure- Doing it for a paycheck is where it can become depleting as the hours increase. Yeah. Well, that's the like profession versus art, right? A lot of you can be a cook or like a chef and a lot of people think, not a lot of people think, but like the art of cooking, like creating new foods, creating flavors, creating taste, creating like the placement of the food is quite an artistic endeavor. Same as stand-up comedians are artistic endeavor. If you love acting, that's an artistic endeavor. So it's almost like the artistic side is if that's your one true passion, you can go for it. Like if you're a painter and absolutely love painting. Depends if you're going to a, a nine-to-five workplace and painting yeah. all day. Mm. Should we just not go to nine-to-five Maybe workplaces? Maybe we should just not have a, an opinion if we don't do these things. <laughs> our life is so chill and easy and no. all that. But the, the reason I like this show is the the inability to – or I guess the the, lim- the lack of time available for these chefs, or especially Kami, the head chef, to dwell on ideas or bad decisions or anything. It's You're constantly going. You have to make a quick decision, act on it. If you're out of an ingredient for the lunch menu, you have to pivot then and there, make a decision, and then two seconds later it has to be in operation and getting worked on. You mm-hmm. don't have time to be sitting around thinking, oh, what can we do for the lunch menu tomorrow? Because there's already a million things going on that day. Mm-hmm. So I enjoy seeing that aspect because I'm the type of person that would – I'm kind of in between. I like to act now, but I also like to spend time thinking about the best method of approach or the most efficient method mm-hmm. to push through, whereas here it's just like we're out of this, we have to do this, you do it now, do this, mm-hmm. do this, do this. Well, I find that very – they call it reactionary and then being proactive. So if you're constantly reactionary, all you're doing is dealing with that current problem, that current fire and unable to then think about tomorrow, think about the next day because you're constantly trying to like chase your tail, constantly trying to fix that thing that's happening in front of you. Whereas if you're, if everything's under control, the fires are put out, then you're able to stop, think and plan for like the next option. But if you're constantly in a position or in a place that's always having to pivot and always having to like react to certain scenarios, then yeah, you're always going to be in that frantic mindset of being like, all right, what's going wrong? What do I need to do? Yeah. It's the difference between working in your business and on the business. So when you have time to sit back and be a bit more strategic and planning, then you're working on the business, making Mm -hmm. the business better. But for example, in this TV show, The Bear, he's constantly met with new problems and you have to immediately have a an answer or solution for it. So you're just working in the business. You don't have time to plan at a larger scale. There is a point in the season where he allocates or he assigns his sous chef to take control so he can go and work on the business behind the scenes, Mm -hmm. which isn't so, I mean, you're still making quick decisions based on problems, but it's the line of differentiation there between just figuring out problems now, working on them, working in the business, as opposed to working on the business at a larger scale and, I guess having a more planned or strategic approach. Mm-hmm. 
to prevent more problems, little mini fires popping up. Yeah. But such a fun show. Mm-hmm. Definitely recommend it. It's on Disney here in Disney. Australia. Yes. Yeah. And there's actually some good, like, it's an, it's one of those sort of drama, comedy sort of styles. So it's, you know, got some serious moments, but it's got some really good laugh out loud moments as well. What's a, what's a show you would compare it to? Not in terms of cooking, but in terms of that, the comedy meets drama um, mixed with... I guess it's it's not a sitcom because it's not a, a comedy, but it is mm-hmm. like a situational drama. It's in a workplace. Maybe like Suits or something. Okay, yeah. Yeah, because Suits has like that drama sort of aspect, but it also has those funny sort of comedy moments as well. This is more relatable, I guess, because it's in a, a kitchen and a re- everyone's been to a restaurant. Not yeah, everyone's been everybody into eats a, food, I mean, right? What, what's Suits? Is it a It's law a lawyer, yeah, yeah. Not everyone's really interested in that to begin with. But everybody eats food. Yeah. Yeah. And some interesting recipes as well, as you said, on Maddie Matheson's channel, mm-hmm. they do recreate some of the dishes. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because he's the producer of the show. Which I, is really I can, I definitely agree with like an eighty-five percent Rotten Tomatoes. It's up there. It's one of the better shows I've seen this year. Well, we're we're one of those people, right? And that's whether you're reading a book, watching a show, whatever. If you're not enjoying it, don't finish it. You don't have to stick it out to the very end, like out of spite. Like if we're not into a show, we usually cut it. There's so many series that we've only just seen like episode one episode two or three and we're like not feeling it let's just move on to the next thing but for us to literally sit down for a whole day and spend our whole day or like half the day watching it and i in my opinion that means it's pretty good yeah i don't know if i'd enjoy it as much if i watched it week to week i enjoyed watching it in one sitting mm-hmm. comparatively silo the last episode comes out today and i enjoy watching that week to week yes I don't know if I'd want to watch all of that in one 10-hour block. I think that would be quite a bit. I think it's the – with Silo, the last couple of episodes sort of left with a cliffhanger, so it's been good to finish them. They're like, oh, what? And then it makes you look forward to the next um, episode that comes out, and it's just really well done. So I think we talk, we touched on Silo last week. We'll talk so. about it next yeah. week when we mm. f- finish the season. But mm-hmm. it's getting – like the first episode, it's like, oh, this is pretty interesting. There's TV shows – that have been similar in terms of that dystopian idea or dystopian sort of genre, mm-hmm. but it progressively gets better throughout the season and there's always new surprises happening and it's not that predictable. I guess if you read the books, you'd know what's going on, mm-hmm. but you're not really predicting what's going to happen. So we'll touch on that one next week. We've got, mm-hmm. I mean, we were just dropping TV. What did we talk about last week? We talked about... I was going to say Black Mirror, but that was the week before, but we... we um. I can't remember. We're just talking about TV shows nonstop lately. Yeah, anyway. it's because I had time off and actually have time right. to watch it and we don't fall asleep within the first 10 minutes of watching something. So, All right, so we've got some more articles to get into. We've got some YouTube news. Mm-hmm. We've got a disgusting act of vandalism in Rome. I can show mm-hmm. you. We've got some NASA news, social media news, some side hustles and some... Uh, Mr. Beast news. Hmm. I don't know what the YouTube news you're going to talk about was. YouTube news. Uh, a couple of new interesting things here if you are a creator on the YouTube platform. So there's two articles I found this week. There's, a, there's actually a lot, of ha- a lot of stuff happening at the moment. So YouTube's new tool can automatically dub videos into other languages. So Ooh. sort of an AI component, I guess you would, mm-hmm. you'd say. But how would you be able to test to make sure so it's we'll, translating? We'll get into that. Okay. I mean, that's, a, that's an interesting point. Mm-hmm. And then YouTube is testing an online games offering. And actually, Netflix have um, just announced an AI game as well. Right. So these streaming platforms mm-hmm. are getting into the gaming. Yeah, because like, what's one way to have people stay on your platform longer is gaming, right? Mm. Yeah. Mm. All right, so... YouTube's new tool can automatically dub videos in other languages. It's integrated Allowed, an AI dubbing service from Google's Area 120 incubator. Not that that means anything to you. <laughs> YouTube has plans to go beyond translated subtitles. So obviously every video has subtitles and mm-hmm. they can actually translate them into your native language as well. So it's going beyond the subtitles and allowing creators to dub videos in other spoken languages. At VidCon, the company announced yesterday that it's testing an AI-powered dubbing service called Allowed, 
The tool would eliminate the time and often great expense required to dub the usual way. Interesting. So this, I mean, you've got a Mr. Beast article here we can talk about later as well, but Mr. Beast is probably the most notable person that has multiple channels across a number of diff- different languages. He's actually mm. talking on the Colin and Samir podcast over the weekend about all the different channels he has mm-hmm. in different languages. Yeah. And he even, I believe, the Japanese translators are the people that do the Naruto um, voice, the original Naruto anime bo- uh, voices. Because I think he's touched on, because he also has a Spanish one, which does really, really well. And I think he was like, that was one of the things he did. Like he's paying famous voice actors in that country to do the voices. Yes. Yeah. So he was actually saying he's met them before. Mm-hmm. And because they have to study so many hours, because it's not just Mr. Beast, it's him and his crew. Mm-hmm. The people in these other countries that are doing the dubs in other languages have to learn all the mannerisms for the characters. It's not just listening and dubbing. They actually watch how they behave and their man- yeah. mannerisms and stuff like that. Well, voice acting is acting. Like they have to act as that yeah. person. So well, that's, that's the thing. What's an actor do? You, the best actors are those, uh, what's the word for it? They, not role play, but um, they like immerse themselves deeply into the character. Mm-hmm. And they kind of do the same here. Even though they're not physically acting it out, they have to do it with the inflection in their yeah. voice. The more believable it is, the more people are going to forget that it's being dubbed over and be engaged in what they're mm. watching. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see at that end of the spectrum, paying someone a significant amount of money to do it mm-hmm. super, super, super well in a manual sense compared to this new automation AI version. Right. Do you know if it's Google-based at all, allowed? Because that would be a really interesting thing because one – Service allowed developed at Google's incubator. Ah, right. I didn't read that part because one thing that Google have is you know the Google Pixel Buds, right? They've got a live translator, so you can actually activate. mm, They have Google Translate as well, so they've been working on this technology in different mediums for many many hundred percent. Yes, if they've got standard like speech to text translations, then this would be generally a pretty easy application for them to do. So rather than being real person talking or be the video aspect. So probably they'd get a spot on one because they'd have a lot of um, data to be able to go off. Exactly. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. That answers my question from earlier is like how accurate can the dubbing be? Yeah. So it's it's interesting. Another mm. point made on that Colin and Samir interview with Mr. Beast was because YouTube has been so English language heavy the, for its entire existence for the last, mm-hmm. whatever, 18 years, there's been no real breakouts of creators from a different language that have uh, become popular in America or in the UK or something. Right, because I know so, it's massive in India, but they're huge in India, not no, in America. Exactly. So there's still a potential for some global superstar creator. Mm-hmm. They'll give them the example of like an Indian mist, uh, Indian Casey Neistat or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we we don't watch a lot of it. But we do watch other language um, pieces of content on Netflix, like Squid Games, for example. Mm-hmm. I believe did we watch that in English, or we watched it with the with subtitles. subtitles. Yes. Yeah. Um, so there's, I guess, more interest or more curiosity for English native speaking mm-hmm. uh, listeners or viewers to consume content from other languages yeah. that's very, if, if it's if it's good enough anyway they yeah. enjoy the content that's very interesting because when i've watched foreign films i've always preferred the subtitle version because i i personally get distracted with the dubbed that if the like the lips don't sync up with the actual voices coming through i get distracted by that so i'd rather just read on the screen and get that proper i guess view of it yeah yeah the only time i ever used to prefer the dub is for naruto the anime mm-hmm and this is a long time ago, and it's because I wanted to hear it. If I was just – a lot of the time I'm doing something else, I'm multitasking, mm-hmm. so I would just want the audio so I can yeah. pay attention. But if I'm actively consuming it, then I'd be more than happy to just read the subtitles. I mean, we watch sub, we watch most English things with subtitles. Yeah, that's true because we're like every platform, <laughs> Every platform we have has subtitles on it. Yeah. And I, I enjoy that. That's kind of what I'm into. Maybe that's, I'm, I'm missing visual elements mm-hmm. here and there, but – I prefer to have subtitles on regardless. So it'd be interesting. Um, I mean, this applies more to YouTube. Do we make this podcast in Spanish? Yeah. Or Do we come in another language? Yeah. Because there's, what's English? It's the second or third 
largest something like that population of speaking it's a horribly sentenced yes but i know what you mean english speaking language mm-hmm. um most popular like well it's not really popular it's most used i guess like the most spoken language. most spoken you, yeah you're, you're on the ball <laughs> i'm behind the bait ball so we have chinese 1.3 billion native spanish 485 million so. that's a huge jump and then english 373 yes yeah, so, i mean there's plenty of opportunity mm-hmm. Arabic, 362. Mm-hmm. So there's almost as many Arabic and English-speaking citizens in the wild. Hindi. Mm-hmm. So there's a gi- gigantic potential for global reach just beyond your na- the country, the, la- the language that you speak, mm-hmm. um, which is interesting, very, very interesting. So we'll get on to the rest of this article. So let us know. Are you... Is, I wonder if there's anyone that's consuming this with subtitles in a different language. Let us know in the comments. Yeah. And we will get on to the AI. I mean, paying the- enough money in AI tools as it is. Like, so <laughs> yeah, another, one, another, another one to dub the stu- the content wouldn't, I mean, probably would break, break the bank, but Maybe. it is what it is. Anyway. It's just like another one of those ways to like lower the barrier, right? To like have more access. I guess it's what are you making content for? If it's value driven, what mm-hmm. do you want to provide value to as many people as possible? Regardless of what language they speak. Mm. So some interesting stuff there. Uh, the rest of the article goes on to say, again, this is from ingadget.com. There, uh, it goes on to say, allowed promises a quality dub in just a few minutes using AI. The tool first creates a text-based translation that creators can check and edit. Then it generates the dub. Users can choose different narrators, how to publish and more. Best of all, the service is available for no charge. Interesting. You gotta love that. There's probably there's that. probably a tiered version. I'd say. I don't know tiered if it's going to. There's YouTube doesn't charge you for anything. It's the YouTube add-ons like VidIQ and TubeBuddy oh. that are the ones that want to suck the money out of gotcha. you. Gotcha. YouTube is currently testing the tool with hundreds of creators. YouTube's VP or Vice President of Product Management told The Verge. It's currently available in English and lets you dub in Spanish and Portuguese with more languages coming soon. From a user perspective, the setting appears as an audio track toggle in the gear icon just below the subtitles. So if it's free and it's not going to take up a bunch of time, Mm -hmm. I think we'll be all over it. Editing the translation of the editing, the subtitles of an hour pod does seem a bit timely. Yes. But... The question is, is that time worth it to broaden the reach mm-hmm. into like areas or countries yet yet discovered by or th- that are yet to discover your content? Mm-hmm. No, that's very For true. For a four-minute video, easy, but an hour yes. is a bit different. Yeah, with the, with the podcast, with that lengthy and a lot of words spoken, I know, how does the ums and ahs and the likes translate into another language? It's always funny. Do we say um and ah and like a lot? I say um and ahs a lot. I try not to. We're trying to get better at speaking, everybody. So yeah. try for the next couple of sentences, try and do an um, ah, and like in each sentence. That's going to be very annoying for people, maybe. Yeah. Maybe not. Anyway. Um, Probably just do it naturally anyway. So, <laughs> uh, so like, there you go. It's easy. Yeah. Just did one then. Mm-hmm. Easy. Uh, next up, Google News or YouTube News. So we've got to make sure we do some of your articles today as well. That's fine. Uh, um, <laughs> so that Spoken was languages, languages did we that. did, yeah. Uh, also in YouTube news, Google's YouTube. Why does that say Google's YouTube? We all know who the maybe Google are just trying to get some more branding out there because they because everyone's talking about Chat GTP and all that, and everyone's forgetting that Google's the regional OG of the AI, Internet. yeah, Internet. AI. Google's YouTube is testing an online games offering. Um, the new service called Playables is part of CEO's push into new areas amid advertising slowed. Oh, man, it's a Wall Street Journal article. And I, my phone broke this morning, so I can't log into my Wall Street account. That's right. If you search the games offering, a free article will pop up, if it's any good. That's, that's always our test. Like when we pick articles, um, if other ones pop up as well from other news sites how then to, we know how to be cheap yeah so 
As reported on the Wall Street Journal, this is just referring to the article that we can't afford. Yes. The offering would be called Playables and would feature arcade-style games like Stack Bounce. Never heard of it. Where players use a bouncing ball to smash through bricks, layers of bricks. Mm -hmm. So, I guess, boring type of game. Yep. Um, Google initially announced in a blog post that Stadia would shut down, which was a gaming service they had for a while. I believe they ended it in January. Mm-hmm. Um, well, they launched in 2019. Let, well, Stadia launched in 2019 and let users play games directly from the cloud rather than downloading them to a console. Uh, it also had a feature on YouTube called Crowd Choice where creators could live stream a game However, the, the service struggled and shut down in January. So the new thing is called the, Playables. Oh, right. It didn't really tell us much. So they had like this sort of version of Twitch and it just didn't end very, it didn't go very well. It's kind of like Steam. I, I think, you know, Steam how it's. Yes. I guess. I mean, okay. the difference would be downloadable versus mm-hmm. playing directly from a cloud. Yeah. So you can access your photos in Google Photos mm-hmm. through the cloud, but you don't necessarily. They don't, they're not on your device offline. Taking up memory, yeah. yeah. Fair enough. They're just taking up bandwidth. All right, I thought there was more to this article, but there's not. So I'll skip over that and not waste any more of well, yours. Well, it, more... it just must be just announced or coming soon. That's there why was no one something really has... I wanted to touch on. I can't remember what it was, though. People staying on platforms longer. So I'll, give, I'll give IndianExpress.com a try. Mm-hmm. Um. The games can be played on Google's site or web browsers. Uh, there's really no info there. I don't know why I brought it up, but Netflix has this game. I touched on it. I read about it briefly yesterday, but didn't look too much into it. So it could be another dud article. It's interesting that the like these streaming style platforms are wanting to like get a little bit in that gaming space, whereas you have you know. Twitch and Steam and all these other PC sort of based ones. Yeah, it's just interesting that they're being like, hey, we also got games. Like, would you play a game on Netflix? But it's who develops the games. It's not like they're buying games from the head game game production companies that are making games for PlayStation yeah. and Xbox. It's like play Witcher through, you know, Netflix. Like <laughs> Yeah, but there's already Witcher games. No, no, I'm just saying, but like to say if we're like, oh, it's gonna be exclusively through Netflix and that's the only way you can play the game. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I think they want original, new original content that they can own that no one else has access to. Like, which I understand what you're saying, mm. but which it was already a game before that. Mm-hmm. So that is that point doesn't make a ton of sense. Mm-hmm. But for example, Squid Game, it's a, it was first and foremost a, a TV show right. that Netflix had, but they want to make something that you can only access through there. Getcha. As opposed to going to Rockstar Games and getting them to make a game. If that, I don't know it if that does. makes a lot of sense. No, it does, yeah. yeah. They just want to, I think they just want to have more IP. I was about to say, it just comes down to IP at the end of the day. So they don't example, want someone else's IP, they want their own IP. Yeah, so for example, this one, uh, this is an article from VentureBeat.com. Scriptic raises $5.7 for user-generated games using generative AI. Ah, I wonder if it's going to be similar to like the story-based games, like how we touched on that Walking Dead style one. What, this is yep. pretty cool. I'll show you in a minute. So um, called Crime Stories. It's the second time in a year that the company has raised money, so the company is scriptic. Mm-hmm. Uh, has a catalog of interactive phone-first shows and creative applications in generative AI in entertainment. Um. So let's see if there's much on this article. There's not a whole lot. Just talking about the company. The company has also launched a number of episodic and short form titles across a range of genres in the app. Uh, Is one of the first entertainment companies to leverage generative AI, which we talked about a bunch. Mm -hmm. Having first used ChatGPT and Dali in 2021 to help with content production. Oh, that's interesting. So it's kind of, it's incorporating video games mm-hmm. with AI mm-hmm. 
on your phone. So it's kind of like a detective game. I'll show you a quick trailer. Hopefully it yeah. doesn't get. Well, there's a couple of these sort of app based only things, right? So there's some book companies that are app only, like you only can access their books or their written content through apps. So there would be, it would make sense. There'll be either some gaming ones that are only through an app or this particular one is like a media company, right? So they could have gaming, have TV shows, have movies all through the app. Yeah. The main thing I want to show you here is like the AI aspect of it mm-hmm. as opposed to the exclusivity. Yep, gotcha. So this, we'll play it here. I don't know if I can play much of it. This is an AI, I AI game. I didn't see nothing yet, but I could definitely tell there's more than what I'm chasing that boy. I just heard all the commotion and came out. Oh my God, guys. They've just found a woman's body. So it's like you're just on your phone doing your own research, but it's as a game. It's like you're doing research through apps and looking at Reddit forums for questions and videos and social media platforms. So it's almost like you're the detective yourself and using your own phone to like make do the research. The detective just got your message about Jerome's tracking data on his phone. That's the mask. It has to be her. And you're just like watching like a news video clip and you're just trying to figure it out on your phone. Yeah. Hi, detective. I've arrived at the scene. You've got yourself. Oh, please. So you can imagine... So interactive. So you can imagine if you watched... I don't know, you're just an at-home detective. Like we've Mm -hmm. seen when we watch those crime documentaries Mm -hmm. on Netflix, there's always like a subreddit community that's trying to get to the bottom of it. There was actually an article this week about Adnan Syed from um killed oh, the his, cere- not the cere- cereal yeah yeah so there's those straight away there's all these people bringing out um all these conspiracy theories and trying to mm-hmm. get more documentation and notes from people that were in that high school at that time and that sort of thing mm-hmm. it's basically that in a video game but there's AI generated videos and footage and stuff. That's interesting. They sort of use like stock footage of like people running and yeah. all that kind of stuff. That's super interesting. So that's it's almost like it looks real life in a way. But you can te- you can see how it would work into the Netflix ecosystem. Mm-hmm. You couldn't really put this anywhere else. You could put it on a, a gaming platform, I guess. But Netflix would probably want to make it episodic, build it out over multiple seasons. For example, we talked. Mm-hmm a week or two ago about Black Mirror and having episodic games or a game based on the episodes mm-hmm. and you're moving between them all. This is kind of like that. Yes. But with the true detective aspect. Yeah, it's very interesting. And if, if they do that true crime, like if it was horror, horror would probably do well and then true crime yes. would do well. That's very much a something that's going to get people like involved in. But you can see that that blowing up on TikTok and Twitter and these communities that are trying to uncover things in real Solve time. Murder, it can, it can yeah. go beyond just that that app mm-hmm. or just that game, and it can leach into social media where people are working together. Yeah. So it's just, it's like user-generated mm-hmm. as well. Well, think about something as simple as, um, remember Slender Man and how that blew up, and that was just a simple hunting detective-style sort of game, right? You would have to find these pieces mm-hmm. of paper, and then that absolutely blew up. And that had like a, you know, a Reddit community. It had like dedicated fans. I can totally see something like that happening. Yeah. You can just imagine a local news story and you just become a detective in it. Mm-hmm. Even though it doesn't exist, it yeah. feels like it's a real news article. Well, referencing like Black Mirror again, the lock Ness, um, not yes. Loch Ness, the Loch Henry. That yeah. applied to that. Yeah. They could totally do it. Yeah. That's kind of what I was thinking about the other week with the episodic stuff. Mm-hmm. There's a way to incorporate it, but I, I guess, yeah, true crime would be the easiest way to do that. Yeah, because you think about how popular true crime podcasts are, how popular true crime books are, you know, TV shows, documentaries, all that kind of thing. Like crime drama always does better or more than anything else because you have what? So many law and orders, so many NCISs, so many um, CSIs. People love that stuff. Yeah, you can't really do it on, like, comedy. No. Figure out who made the joke. When's the last comedy game you played? Um, Never, I don't think. Like, when I think comedy, you think, like, kid games, right? Like, Croc or Raymond or something. I guess. They're more adventure. Yeah. Like, Is- w- like the lighthearted, who's who's the joke star? Is, like, Sonic a joke star? Yes. Mario? That's the scroller. Yeah. This is what they call it, a sc- scroller or a platform. You're just running around getting coins the whole time. Mm-hmm. Um, immediately I thought of this one. Um, you probably didn't play it. 
Beavis and Butthead game. Beavis and Butthead game, Hockaloogie. Oh, there was a Simpsons game as well. We'll show that as well. That's a hectic fun. That's a fun game. I remember the Simpsons. I never played it, but I remember people absolutely loved it. It's not really. I guess it is comedy. It's based on a comedy show. Yeah. But this game is called. Is it Virtual Stupidity? You used to just spit loogies like (laughs) off off a building. And welcome again to Old Nerd Gamer. We're in. Virtual stupidity. What was the Simpsons game called? I think it's just called The Simpsons Game. Oh, the South Park game. Ooh. The 3D one. That was a game changer. Yeah. Hang on, I want to see The Simpsons Road Game. Road Rage? It wasn't Road I think it was a Road Rage one. Yeah, that was. Um, Video game? Hit and Run. wasn't that one. Because I remember it used to be... Oh, man. It... No, I, just, I, t- I typed Simpsons and expected a result. <laughs> <laughs> the South Park, I gotta see the South Park game because that was. It'd be on PS2, 100%. Game Boy. 2007 was, it was before that. That's PlayStation 3. Mm-hmm. I don't know which one it was. Because there was. I can't even describe it. No, that would have been here. But it was a, one of these ones with. Multi, I think it might have been this one. There was multiple games in one. Mm-hmm. Well, I remember the Barney and the. I remember the bar scene. That one? Yeah, like the bar scenes one, 100%. But that's like arcade game. Interesting. So um, oh, there's the three. So Simpsons game, Road Rage, and then Tapped Out. So it just, I think the first one is called The Simpsons Game. I'm trying to think of. Wheel of Fortune. Aliens. There had to be a skateboard. One hundred percent. Yeah, Bart one. No, they were later on. They were three D. It was way before that. It was this one. That one there. Nineteen ninety two SNES, I believe. Bart's nightmare. It wasn't just a Bart game though. It was definitely on that platform. But the mm-hmm. South Park one, N sixty four, was the most fun game. Yeah, because that would have just been classic like South Park yeah, comedy. Yeah, snowballs and, and turkeys. Yeah. Oh no, they kill Kenny. Like one of those ones. And then the South Park Rally Wow. I was so jealous my brother had a 64 and never let me play it. Classic older brother thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what was I talking about before? Chef's Love Shack game. Could be fun. <laughs> Suck on my chocolate salty balls. Oh, my gosh. All right. They got away with so much. We're talking about episodic. Oh, and, video- and comedy games. Mm-hmm. So I did have a segue planned before that. Um, true Crime. Mm-hmm. Video game, right? Obviously, yeah. it's the best way to incorporate the video game into one of these type of platforms. Sorry, I lost my train of thought with that segue. What I was getting to is true crime is news. Mm-hmm. So you have an article over here about news consumption and the, the role that social media plays now in the, the way that we consume news. Yes. Yeah. Well, it's a very like smallish article, but it's just, like one again, one of those interesting things of just how people now have pe- – people using their phones all the time, like how people used to consume their news and sort of how they're doing it now as well. Um, and it's just there's a lot of like distrust going into the media and not being able to understand or really, you know, figure out what it is they're saying. But something like Facebook, for example, which is the top one, what was this, 2015 to like 2021, like it's literally dropped by half. Like so many people used to get their news from Facebook or got news articles. But again, is that like an algorithmic change? People they follow, maybe the old groups that were generally pretty good got bought out and now they're just, you know, meme groups. Yeah, it's just like how many people or how people used to get it. Like since YouTube? twenty since twenty fifteen, yeah. You know, where where do you like where do you consume your news from? Mine at the moment, I get them through the apps. I use Feedly and Artifact. Um yeah, I generally don't get it from modern TV at all. Okay. So then since 2015? 2015, I remember getting a lot of articles and stuff from Facebook. Okay. And it's declined since then. But then you consider the 
the other generations. 2015 to now is not that long a period of time. Mm-hmm. It is in, in terms of the, the age of the internet, but it's only eight years. So compare like our parents, they would be consuming news the exact same way as eight years ago. Yes, either the newspaper or from the evening programs. Whereas the generation below us, mm-hmm. the Gen Zers, yeah. we're more they're the ones that are more impacting these results, I would say. Yes. So that's why TikTok's gone from zero to six percent. Mm-hmm. Facebook's dropped because there's less people on there. YouTube's pretty flatline. Twitter's pretty, pretty yeah. Twitter's pretty flatline, which I'm surprised about. Instagram is probably the most interesting change in mm. my opinion going going from uh, four, three to four percent to 14 mm-hmm. percent i don't know if it ever consumes the news on instagram no because it's not really text-based and mm. potentially I don't, I don't understand why that's increasing unless it's in the form of videos when or they introduced stories. like IG, they introduced IGTV probably like six years ago. Mm-hmm. But even then, you can't really. It's a quick consumption. It's, you don't really get a chance to dive into an article or a, a news article at least for multiple minutes. So that's probably the most surprising result. I wonder if there's anything more below here. Um, this is from Axios.com. Uh, social media has shrunk as a source for news, mostly due to Facebook's global pullback from news. Do you remember, I think it was a year or two years ago, where Australia wanted Facebook to pay for the right to have the media on their platform and they pulled like ABC News and all that kind of thing from the platform? I don't remember the specifics, but I remember that wasn't a news, yeah. yeah. Well, this, just this week, I believe something happened with Canada and the the way news can get disseminated on there and i know facebook got in a lot of trouble with the trump and well just with the elections and then pushing the type of articles that they wanted to push so this is from slate.com this week why canada's attempt to save journalism may end up crushing it instead um june 22 canadian parliament passed bc18 also known as Online News Act, the new law, according to a government news release, will require the largest digital platforms, obviously we know, know which ones they are, mm-hmm. Facebook, Instagram, to, Google, to bargain fairly with Canadian news business, businesses for the use of their news content. The intent here is to even out the skewed market imbalance between Canadian journalism and big tech platforms, many of which have offered distribution pathways and occasional payment agreements to digital news sites while also stepping them up revenue. Um, so it's, it's a constant battle for, for news and misinformation and things like that. This is a long article. We don't have time to get into this. Um, but I hear what you're saying. So it's interesting to see, I thought that would all be increasing, but I guess the, I'm, I'm trying to think whether this graph represents or has any impact from the amount of ads that are served on each platform because Facebook's been constantly increasing the ads in its feed, which could impact it in saying that Instagram has increased the ads substantially over the last five, six, seven or eight years in this case as well. But Instagram mm-hmm. consumption of news is up. So I'm wondering what it would be because well, something TikTok's that- still, uh, sorry, Twitter's the same. And Snapchat's the same. YouTube has got a slight increase. So the thing that Instagram's doing really well at the moment is, and we talked about in one of the previous episodes, is their algorithmic change for reels and that short form content is doing really well for them. It's serving a better purpose. Yeah, but in saying that, that's only been in the last three years. This is eight years. So you can even see from 2015 to 2019, it's had the biggest rate of increase. Or do you think the people that were on Facebook, right, are kind of switching over to Instagram like it's one of the it's like a generational thing like I'm on Instagram then I'm on more than Facebook you have to say your mom for example she'd be on Facebook more than she would be on Instagram like it's that generational thing of just like switching to platforms or preferred platforms in combination with the vertical format video then it's just keeping them on that platform longer so rather than switching from Facebook to Instagram you're just staying on Instagram longer I'm not sure I really don't have a an idea the, it says in this article, the Pew Research Center survey from last year similarly showed 
Most social media platforms, with the exception of TikTok, TikTok and Instagram, declined as regular news sources. Um, so the top 100 news and media sites saw a 53% drop in organic referrals from social media over the past three years, according to digital data analysts yeah, so from SimilarWeb. Websites directly have organic reach down. Mm-hmm. And it's saying Facebook's news feed made it easier to share links. So it makes sense that there would be more... On Facebook, because you can copy and paste links. You can't do yeah. that on Instagram. Well, this is saying so the decline is largely from Facebook's pullback from the news. So originally, Facebook's news feed made it easy to share news links and news articles. Yeah. But why would Instagram be increasing? Because you can't do that. Because on Facebook's crappy now. Like you can't. Facebook doesn't have things that you can share, so you can share more. Or maybe it's just like the algorithm is a bit easier to have news articles pop up on or people Instagram. That you, the people that you follow, right? So whether you follow, this is, yeah. So this, this is the problem. So it's saying that Facebook decline is because they changed the algorithm or whatever. Yeah, they pulled back from previously it was articles. one of the go-to places because mm-hmm. you could share links, yes. but now you can't. So why is Instagram increasing? So Instagram you can't share links unless it's through DMs, but I doubt many people are sharing news articles through the DMs. You'd be tagging them. Yeah, rarely. Have you ever done that? Mm. So then are you searching? So it's like there's three options. Someone's it's word of, word of mouth, someone's sharing a news article with you. Mm-hmm. Very rarely happens. B, you're searching for news in Instagram. Have you ever done that? No. C, it's just getting shown to you. Mm-hmm. So the news that you're consuming, you're not choosing what news you care about or what you're getting shown. It's just getting shown to you which I guess is the same as normal TV. You don't get to choose what you consume. Compare that to inner reader or an RSS feed, you're choosing the type of news that matters to you the most. So it's almost like the news increase on Instagram is not news that we care about. It's just news that's getting shown to us through the algorithm. And then the question is, what do people consider news, right? Well, so that's, that could be, well be celebrity news. That's what I was about to say, because in the last like couple of years, like, you know, Kim Kardashian, Pete Davidson, all these people, that's what's making news at the moment. Like Taylor Swift, all those kind of people, but get like four or five years ago, then it was actual worldly events. But now a lot of like celebrities is what gets reported on. You know, whether it's the royal family or things like that, like that's what's, yeah, what's what's constituted in this particular survey as news. Is yeah. it current events? Is it, you know, trashy magazine type news? Like what is news? The answer is I just, I guess they basically figured out here, everyone's just getting news through Google News. Gotcha. That's the most simple, that's what I do. Mm-hmm. I want articles for this. I want social media. I just type in social media, hit the news tab. Gotcha. It's by far the easiest source mm-hmm. or the easiest way of finding it instead of going because it is journalists that are writing it most of the time, whereas on the other platforms you have to differentiate. Is it's the, harder to vet the person it's exactly. coming from. So yep. Google News is taking up all of it. Gotcha. And it's leading to well, it's directing people out to the news sources. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, social media is less for media interesting and the saying here in terms of talking about that um the changes to the canadian laws which we touched on a second ago so is one more sort of succinct sentence to get the point across meta meta last week said it will block the sharing of news links on facebook and instagram in canada in response to the passage of a bill in parliament that will require some tech firms to pay news publishers for content that appears in the platform so they're Blocking the news links on Facebook and Instagram in Canada unless there's some sort of revenue generation or some sort of That's what happened in Australia, yeah. So I guess the main thing here is Google continues to dominate. We have talked about the YouTube changes that are coming, Mm -hmm. the gaming stuff that's coming to YouTube, the dubbing. We probably already knew this deep down that Google News is the place. It took took us 15 minutes to get there, (laughs) which is fine. But it's really just, yeah, Google dominates, dominates. And that meta, that new meta app, the Twitter rival that we've been talking about, it was supposed to come out in June. I believe they're pushing it to July now. Mm-hmm. There's, a, there's not much hype around it. People think it's going to be a, a flop. 
so I guess my point is Meta over. Oh, sorry, Google just dominates Meta or anyone else at this point. Interesting. Because imagine if they just showed Google News on this on this chart here. Because yeah. the article here is just saying these are just social media social platforms. Media. Imagine yeah. if the Google was there; it'd just be a straight up trend. Mm. Super interesting. Yeah, because it's it's one of those things like one, what is considered news, and then two. You know, like it's just getting your – would be if you just went to Facebook for your news, it would be just getting one newspaper and that's all that you get your news from, just getting your news from Channel 9 or just from Channel 10, whereas like Google News is actually pulling it from a whole bunch of other different sources. It's not just the one newspaper. It's not just the one website. It's getting it from a whole bunch of different areas. So I guess you have a little bit more of a an eclectic option as well. It's saying that we talked a second ago about having to vet sources you still have to vet your normal news sources. We've seen last week the implosion of that Titan sub. Yeah. Uh, you have an article here about Mr. Beast that would turn down the chance to be on the doomed sub, the Titan submersible. Mm-hmm. But we found out days after they they started pulling wreckage out of the ocean. Mm-hmm. But apparently they knew the whole time. I'm not sure what who knew or governments knew or news. Um, corporations knew or not but apparently it imploded like an hour or something into its journey Mm -hmm. and the whole world had their hopes up for three or four days that they were going to be found when someone somewhere with some authority knew that that wasn't the case and they chose to hide the fact that yeah so the question is why do they hide it Mm. they trying to cover something up like it's yes, you can't trust anyone. Even the most reputable news sources have some hidden agenda or benefit to dragging things out for a longer period of time. Mm-hmm. Because if we all found out, hey, an hour into the into the journey, this Titan sub imploded, people are, are dead. End of news story. Then you're not going to be on that news platform for three days straight trying to stay engaged. It's the same as Netflix and the social media apps. They want you on there as long as possible. The yes. news places want the same because, look, we're on this website now. We're getting ads for Indiana Jones. We're getting ads for Canva. We're getting ads for 18 different things. Well, think about- They like, want your attention as long as possible, and the news news places are exactly the same. Well, think about people like wanting to hear news of the sub or just trying to figure out what happened. They'll be refreshing that news site constantly yeah. on that platform, refreshing, refreshing hits, for the most- Hits, hits, up- hits. Oh, someone's going to eventually click this link yeah. and buy something. So it, it's just- it's just the, what, the way the world we live in. Everyone, Everything's capitalism, which is fine, but at the expense of- like a, a, just having a story circulating for a few days mm-hmm. when the actual truth was known by a select handful of people. Select handful of people. Yes, it's kind of sad, but I mean, what can you do? Is consume less news as one thing and just get on with your life. Um, yeah, it's, it's just it's just crazy how they all all those like traditional news sites like everybody was just documenting the same story. Like that's the story that was getting out when there's you know other things that were going on in the background. So, you know, next time something huge happens, people are going to be like, well, what else is happening? Like what else is being hidden right now? The thing is, it's even hard to find the real answer. Like I think it was five minutes. Then two hours. Likely happened two hours. At the end of the day, it's all speculation. No yeah. one, no one, unless you were on there, no one really knows what happened. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, what was being hidden kind of thing. And then, obviously, if you do something like that, a whole bunch of conspiracy websites will come out. So, yes. who has the I mean, the that's the downside truth? of social media and having such readily available access to all mm-hmm. these news articles and everything. Yeah. Because, like, obviously, you know, Wall Street Journal, um, was that NBC News or whatever it is, then you could have, like, another article that'd be something, something news or something, something information and be like, well, who runs these websites? And you could literally be just be someone in their home or in their basement gathering and being their own journalist. Yeah. So it says the tourist sub lost contact around at one hour, 45 minutes into its two-hour dive. So the world was left to believe that it lost contact but they was they were still alive for a day or two mm-hmm. whereas from my understanding and the things that i've looked at is it would have happened so fast 
that at that one hour forty five minute mark, the second it lost contact, it was it was imploded. Is gone. Yeah, there wasn't you know forty hours of trying to regain contact. It was just all over before they knew mm-hmm. it. So horrible um, news story and event, regardless. But I guess the the main takeaway here is that who do you trust? Yeah, you can trust exactly. us. Up until a point, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Where are we getting our sources from? <laughs> well, these these horrible, horrible Little websites. Uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, they're not horrible. The thing is, all these news corporations, there's 10, 10 of them with different agendas and different names owned by the one person. So mm-hmm. they're all just fed the same information and told to not spit it in a different way, but just put their own packaging and, and bow on it just to get it out there to their the demographics, but it's just hard in in, in a 2023 world to know oh, what's, yeah. what's truth. The misinformation and fake news and well, real news. And- over, overstimulated, oversaturated. There is just so much out there. So you just, it's that balance of trying to consume enough to get like an overall general opinion or get your own facts, but also not being inundated with too much information that you're just confused at the end of the day well we won't be confused about when and what time we'll be back next week which will be a monday yes mondays always mondays always at 6 30 a.m 74 next week and we'll be back next week standard time give you some more information and we'll i guess we'll talk about silo so if you haven't watched silo Mm -hmm. yet you have the entire week to watch all 10 episodes and we'll be back next week and talking silo Ooh, right see you then bye